Welcome to Amplify, a podcast that gives marginalized communities and diverse people a platform to share their story and reclaim their narrative. In the very beginning, I know our organization just stepped up and that's what we've been doing since day one. We don't like to ask a lot of questions. We just want to get out there and do the work and make sure our kids and our community have resources and have the things that they need to make sure they can keep going. Mentoring is not necessarily a new idea, right? And everybody knows the infamous Boys and Girls Club in America, really trying to provide safer childhood for kids. They want to provide life-enhancing programs, and they want to have caring mentors for these kids. And they've been around for 160 years, and they've made such a huge impact. Really, what their mission is, is that they want to enable all young people to be able to reach their full potential. And they've already done so much. Around 52% of seniors that are a part of the Boys and Girl Club end up being interested in a STEM-related field. Or we have 90% of people that are a part of this graduate from high school. Or and anybody that's considered low income as part of the club, they end up receiving great grades. And although this mentoring program is huge, there's something lacking if you're bringing it to local communities. And we have somebody here today, Courtney Johnson, who developed his own nonprofit organization called Young and Established, where he motivates and mentors youth. Welcome back to Amplify. Today I'm here with Courtney Johnson. Stop. I'm just kidding. But before you enjoy the episode, we please ask to support this podcast. So share it with your friends and family and let us know what you think by leaving us a review and really what you want to hear more on the podcast. Really, our message is to amplify the voices of marginalized communities and diverse people. And just remember, it is most impactful when diverse people share their own narrative. Welcome back to Amplify. Today, I'm here with Courtney Johnson. Hi, Courtney. Uh, How are you doing today? I'm blessed. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so glad to have connected with you. And I know we talked about this podcast for a while. I'm glad we're able to sit down and do it a little bit today, virtually, of course. So can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Well, like you said, my name is Courtney Johnson. I founded and started Young and Established about seven years ago, which is a local nonprofit here in Evansville, Indiana. And our mission is to inspire the youth and young adults through our mentoring program, our tutoring program, our annual events, and just different things that we do in the community. And I graduated from University of Southern Indiana a few years ago and just really have just dove into the community and made sure that we're doing everything in our power to better our community. And that's currently what I'm doing now. Oh, that's amazing. So that kind of segues me into my next question. So could you tell us a little bit more about Young and Established and your guys' mission? Like what exactly inspired you to start your organization? I've always had a passion for giving back and helping people, but I moved back home, well, around seven years ago and just really wanted to get involved 
on campus and then also just in the community. I didn't really know what to do or where to start. So I started to just put different fundraisers and different events together. The, one of the biggest events that, that comes to mind was a park cleanup in the neighborhood that I grew up in. And it was just on a Saturday where I wanted people that really had just concerns about the area and wanted to get out and get involved. I just made a Facebook post and we had about 70 people show up to come to the park and pick up trash, just volunteer a few hours and better in that area. And then that's when I kind of knew that, well, I have something here where I can just continue to get more and more people in the community involved in some of the things that we were doing. So it started off with just me doing little fundraisers and, and different things here and there. And then it just continued to grow over the years with mentoring programs. And then also some of our annual events like backpack drives, food drives, uh, Boys Demand Conference, just so many different events that we've done. Uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day. Since I've been back in seven years, I think I've done over 100 events, whether it was fundraisers, whether it was uh, charity events and different things. And I'm like, I can't believe that we've been able to accomplish so much in such a short amount of time. Wow, that's amazing. And I think the community definitely benefits from like everything that you're doing. And they're very appreciative that you came back to the Evansville area and then you're continuing it to provide to your community that you grew up in. So within Young and Established, you do mentorship. Did you have a mentor growing up that really inspired you to do the same within your organization? Well, I had a lot of people that inspired me. I had a lot of great role models within my family and then also with coaches, my pastor, a bunch of different people played a role in helping me become the man that I am today. But I think Indiana State, and that's when, when I say I came back home, I, was, I bounced around a little bit. I went to four different colleges, but Indiana State was one of my, just, it changed everything for me. And it was one of the, the best experiences for me because when I went to Indiana State, I wanted to get involved on and off campus. So I joined a bunch of different organizations, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Uh, I, I also created an organization with a group of friends where we actually went into the schools and mentored and talked to young men. And Big Brothers, Big Sisters uh, really made me want to become a mentor and get involved with just helping young people in general. But then also Susan G. Coleman, SGA. I was involved in about six or seven different organizations. I also uh, joined a fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi. And again, when I left Indiana State, I wanted to stay involved. And when I moved back and went to USI, I was really looking for things to get involved in and didn't find much at the time. So I wanted to just create uh, my own. And that's kind of when everything took place. I never really thought about having a nonprofit or creating something like this. I've always just had a passion for helping people. And when you find your passion, it'll lead you to other things. And I think that's kind of what took place. And I've just been blessed to help thousands of people, not only in my community, but all over. And we want to continue to do that as an organization. That's funny. I was like listening to your story and it sounds very similar to mine. I didn't jump around like between, I went to the same university all four years, but the similar experience being in all those different clubs and then having that passion to do something after college or to do something within college in my community. And that's kind of where my nonprofit went. So that's kind of crazy how our stories kind of align. So why did you start Young and Established? Like, what do you think it does for the youth in the community that maybe you can't find in other organizations currently? 
Well, I think one of the things, uh, even the area that we're in now, with just having a facility in an area where there's nothing, there's no Boys and Girls Club, there's no community center, there's nothing in the area that we're currently in. And I think being able to give our young people a safe place to come, be in a positive environment with their peers and have mentoring and have tutoring and have all the things that different resources that we provide in our facility is huge. Even before we had our very own community center, we were still active in getting young people involved in the community. And one thing that I always say, I think it's important. And one thing that me personally and through Young and Established, inspiring young people in Evansville to stay in Evansville. I really didn't have plans on staying here. But once I got involved, I wanted to stay here and just I really got invested. And I think that's what we've been doing with the young people here in Evansville. Them seeing some of the work that I've been able to accomplish and the obstacles that I had to face, the racism and different things that I had to overcome. I think it inspires people that they can make a difference right here in their community. And I've had young people even say that. I mean, you've been able to do all of these great things. You make me want to do things in the community and not leave. I want to stay here and make a difference. And I think we've lost a lot of talent, a lot of young people to actually cities close to Evansville, like Louisville, Nashville, Indianapolis. And I have personal experiences with a lot of my friends that actually tried to do things and it didn't work and they didn't get the support or have resources like other people did. And they ended up leaving. And I just stuck it out and made sure that I did everything in my power to keep going and make a difference. And I think that's what we've been doing over the past seven years. That part of your story also resonates with me. I think both of us being young people and, you know, growing up, a lot of people like at this point of their life are deciding where they're going to be. And a lot of the people that I know, or I grew up with, or people I went to high school with, a lot of those people are making those choices to stay in the community and go elsewhere. And a lot of people are moving elsewhere. So you're, you're making a good point of what can we do better to let people stay here. And like, I'm glad that your organization is playing a part in making youth feel like that they can make a difference. So what has been like the response from the community? We've had a lot of support and a lot of help with people in the community. We've been able to continue to grow as an organization because people in the community pouring into our organization and making sure we continue to do the work that we're doing. And I really think being creative too, figuring out ways to raise money and do things to keep our mentoring programs going, to keep our events going, because We've never received grants or anything. I think some people, when they talk to me personally about how we've been able to accomplish so many different things, I think sometimes they assume that we get some of the bigger grants like the other nonprofits and and organizations, which we're getting to that point now in 2020. But for the past seven years, it was just really, I was putting my own money into it when I first started this in college and just figuring out how to do this and how to run a nonprofit. I didn't go to school for this. So teaching myself how to do these things and then coming across people that want to see you be successful was a huge blessing to me too, because there was a lot of people that have helped me along the way. Because again, I never knew how to run a nonprofit. Nobody in my family taught me how to run a nonprofit or even how to just organize events. These are things that I had to teach myself. And again, I think that has been why I think so many people have supported us because they've seen over the years, my passion and the way that I love and care about not only the youth, but this community as a whole. I think that's why we get so much love and support from people in the community. So the support has continued to grow. And now that we have our own community center, I think it's going to grow even more. And that's just 
kind of how the story has played out with us. We've just had people pour into us and help us along the way. And that's currently why we're in this position that we're in now. When I first got into like nonprofit work, which you're definitely a senior to me, I just recently started getting into nonprofit work. And it's definitely, like you said, it's a lot of bootstrapping and it's less glamorous than you think. And even so what efforts are you working on right now? You mentioned your community center. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we just had a grand opening a few weeks ago, and we got the building a while ago, to be honest, but COVID hit around the same time once we were getting the building up. And when COVID hit, we shifted our focus to actually feeding families and just getting out in the community and figuring out ways to make sure our kids had food. So everything that we had planned, which I'm sure a lot of people can agree, nobody expected COVID or just 2020 in general has just been a a rocky year, but everybody basically just rallied together and we figured out a way to make sure from working with the schools. I think the schools were the first people that we contacted as far as what can we do to make sure our kids get food. And one of the things the schools were doing when COVID hit was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they were providing food at the school. But a lot of the kids that we work with and just kids in general couldn't get to that location. So I personally would go to the schools, pass out meals at the schools, and then whatever they had left over, I would take and drive around the different neighborhoods and drop off food. And that was something that I did for about a month and a half until I got with Alex Burton, Lee Stavon, and some others. And we came up with Feed Evansville, which is what we've been doing for the past few months now, is making sure families get produce and get dairy. And we've been doing that for some time now. But in the very beginning, I know our organization just stepped up and that's what we've been doing since day one. We don't like to ask a lot of questions. We just want to get out there and do the work and make sure our kids and our community have resources and have the things that they need to make sure they can keep going. When COVID hit, I was even like thinking about like kids, like if they didn't have school, that's where most kids get most of their meals. And Like even like you're mentioning, like you like delivering stuff, like I don't think people realize how big transportation like is an issue that say you provide them meals, but those people don't have a way to even get there to get the meals. Or maybe they have family members or parents that are working overtime and it's during their work hours. So I commend you like for you and your organization taking that action and filling in those gaps. Well, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. And it's one of those things when you do community work and you really love it and you have a passion for it, it's just a no-brainer. As soon as COVID hit, that's the first thing that that came to mind was, man, our kids, that's how a lot of our kids eat. I mean, breakfast, lunch, that's a guaranteed meal Monday through Friday. And that's the first thing that came to my mind. And I know you had mentioned the center, some of the resources that we have. First and foremost, uh, it's a safe haven. Uh, Like I said before, it's an area where our kids can come and be in a safe environment with positive people and positive things that are going on within the center. We have the mentoring, we have tutoring, we've partnered with USI and University of Evansville as far as some of their students coming over to mentor and tutor. Because of COVID, a lot of them are not able to have access or get into the schools. And we already worked with some of the students, but now we have a lot more students because of the situation. But then also we have Wi-Fi. That was one of the biggest things when COVID hit. A lot of our kids didn't have access to Wi-Fi, so they couldn't do their homework. A lot of our kids just had to just basically 
do nothing because they couldn't do anything. They couldn't reach their teachers. They couldn't get their homework. They couldn't take tests. And a lot of our kids suffered from that. So being able to have computers and tablets in our center, our kids are able to have access to Wi-Fi. And we also have a laundry program where we're teaching young people how to do laundry, how to wash clothes, fold clothes. And again, a lot of things that we have in here are just from the experience that we've had over the years. Uh, You have kids that get bullied for not having clean clothes. And that was something that really bugged me to talk to a young man or talk to a young lady and have them say that they were getting picked on because their clothes were dirty. And the young lady talking about suicide all because of her being bullied at school for not having clean clothes. So you got to think about some people don't have access to things that we may take for granted because we have washers and dryers in our dorms or in our house. We take some things for granted because we have these things, but a lot of our students and young people don't. And just those barriers and those things that they have to face on a day-to-day basis, we want to eliminate that. And that's why having this community center in this area is going to be a huge blessing to have an impact. I just wanted to backtrack a little bit. I know we've been talking about your community center and kind of the area that you service. Can you tell us a little bit more about like, I guess, the area that it's in and what types of kids come through your doors? Basically, we're over, it's kind of on the east side a little bit, but it's still south. And it's close to McGarry, but it's it's not far from UE. Like I said before, there's no community senators, not a lot of resources in this area. But I mean, we have a variety of different kids that from middle school to high school kids are able to come basically to our center. And we have to have background checks and do different things as far as sign up. But we've already been working with a lot of these kids in this area. So we already had kids that we were working with. But with COVID, it's kind of limited our numbers. But just being in this area is, is a big deal because, again, there's, I think the closest community center is a few miles from here. And then when you talk about transportation, a lot of our kids can't walk to our facility because it's so close and it's right in an area where there's a huge need for these resources that we're providing. Glad you're acknowledging a lot of those things I've already seen in the community, like in your one community center. Those things are such a huge need. And I think sometimes a lot of people, if you are doing community work every single day, you'll see those little things that, and they're not little things to be honest, but some people may think that they're little things because having clean clothes is not, I don't want to say that that big of a concern as far as food, kids having food to eat on a day-to-day basis. But we think about it, when you got 30 to 40 kids that don't have access to a washer and dryer and that are getting bullied, And you do basically you go to every single school and you got 30 to 40 kids at every single school that are dealing with these issues. That's a large number of kids that don't have access to certain things. I think we don't realize it until you don't have it. Right. Or you or like you said, you're doing the work with the people and you physically see it. So like we are mentioning like nonprofits, like bootstrapping. So what have been some of the obstacles in achieving your goals through this organization? Can you mention like some experience that's had before? I think when when I was first getting started, just trying to find someone that could help me and, and basically walk me through the steps of what I needed to do to get a 501c3 and all these different things. And I mean, of course, we can Google and we can research, but the people that I went to wasn't when I first was getting started, wasn't much help. And that really sometimes can discourage people because over the years I've helped 
so many people get a 501c3 and just help them with starting a business and starting different things where we have people right here in Evansville that get paid to do those things. And I volunteered my time to help people because I knew how stressful it was for me when I was first getting started, trying to figure out what steps to take and where to go. But there were just a lot of doors closed in my face when I was getting started. And that was one, of which is a, a blessing in disguise because that really made me want to do even more and made me want to figure things out on my own. And that's kind of what I've done over the past few years. If there's something that I feel like I need to do, then I get out there and do it. I don't, I don't wait around and, and wait for somebody to, to help me because sometimes what I've realized is you'll be waiting forever. And when somebody tells me, no, you can't do something or no, you shouldn't do something, I still go through with it. I mean, when I started this nonprofit, I had a ton of people telling me, well, we already have a, a nonprofit. We already have a community center. We already have these things. But we've been able to help thousands of people right here in our community. And now what if we never would have started? What if I would have listened to those people that told me not to start this nonprofit? Like, can you imagine? I mean, the mentoring, the tutoring, the annual events, as I mentioned before, well over 100 events that we've done in Evansville that have impacted so many different lives, whether it was fun events like a black and white masquerade charity ball, which is diverse, one of the biggest events in Evansville. And it's a fundraiser, but it's fun. You have doctors, lawyers, college students, just executive directors and just all types of people, black and brown, actually coming to this event. And it's one of the, to me, and I'm saying it because it's my event, but I've heard it from other people as well. One of the most diverse events that they've ever been to. And not only that, but backpack drives and food drives and all these different things. We even did something for Easter this year where a lot of kids were feeling bummed out because COVID had hit and we wanted to put smiles on kids' faces. So we made Easter egg baskets and had kids pull up to our center in their car and we would just put the baskets in the car and you should have seen the smiles. I mean, there's little things that we've done that other organizations, I mean, we don't think about certain things. We just get out here and just do it. And I think the partnerships that we've had with other organizations is what I was going to say has been amazing. I mean, we did our first blood drive with Red Cross this year and that was huge. So we just keep growing as an organization and we keep just adding more and more to our organization and to our mission and, and what we do in a community. But I know I'm kind of <laughs> rambling a little bit, but back to what you were saying, it was a lot of different obstacles, but my thing was just to keep going and stay focused. And that's what we've been doing since day one. And I have no complaints because look at what we've been able to accomplish. I mean, this community center, I'm actually in the community center now while I'm talking to you, just coming in here every day and just looking at what this small idea I had turned into and to just see all these things in this center from computers to desks to long tables to a chess table the suits that we have in here to the laundry room I mean when we first came into this place it was completely empty and I remember walking in here and I was like man the computers are going to be over here this is going to be over here and this building was empty and I think visionaries have that passion and that vision for whatever it is that's on their mind to do. And we just get out here and do it. I mean, same thing for you. You had an idea to start something and now look at what you've accomplished and look at what you're doing. I mean, from the podcast to creating a nonprofit and you, you're doing this while in college. I mean, that's amazing. When I first talked to you, I was blown away. 
I was like, she can't be in college. I mean, just how you carried yourself and what you were doing and your vision and your plan. I was like, she's she's going to be amazing. I mean, she's going to do great things. And you already have for our community. And I mean, that's just kind of how things happen. You have people that just want to go out here and make change and they do it. They don't ask for permission. They just get out here and, and figure out ways to make a difference and help people. And I think we both have been able to do that. Those words mean a lot, especially from somebody like you who have done so much for our community. So I just want to leave like a lasting, I guess, message for people. What advice do you have for people that want to inspire the new generation of youth? One of the biggest things that I always tell people is figure out what your passion is. And that'll help you with figuring out what your purpose is. I've always been passionate about a lot of different things, but it wasn't until I actually started to really pursue my passion, which was helping people. And I didn't know what that was or how I could how I could do it, but I really just got out here and started to do stuff and it just continued to grow. And I always tell not only the young people, but people in general that come to me with uh, for advice is just figure out what makes you happy. I mean, I love what I'm able to do every single day. I'm able to help somebody in some type of way. And it's just really fulfilling. I mean, I love what I'm able to do. And again, I found my purpose at a younger age. And it doesn't matter how old or how young you are. But I think once you figure out what that is and and you find your purpose in life, it changes everything for me. I mean, it changes everything for you. It definitely changed everything for me as well. But I think just figuring out what what your passions are and just pursuing them. And then I think that will lead to figuring out what your purpose is, because I feel like we all have a purpose. And we all can serve. Every single one of us can serve. Not everybody has to start a nonprofit, but everybody can make a difference. Everybody can do something. Everybody can do their part. And I think that's one of the biggest things, too, is if everybody just did their part, uh, we could have a better community and we can have a better world. And that's one of the things that I think I do my my best to show that on a day-to-day basis, not only through Young and Established, but just on my day-to-day life. I mean, whether it's Facebook posts or I mean, social media posts, or whether it's just my actions and just different things that I do throughout the community, I want to make sure to inspire people. I mean, that's something that I feel like has really changed my life as far as having young people and having people that look look up to me and that really want to see me succeed. And I don't want to let certain people down and I want to continue to grow as a person and I want to see our nonprofit grow as well. Yeah, just find, figure out what your purpose is in life. Like, just find what you love and then just run with it. And kind of everything will kind of find its place there. Like, you don't think that, but originally my nonprofit idea wasn't a nonprofit. And I kind of mentioned that probably in another podcast episode that I did. But it was like, I was part of a pitch competition for this festival. And then it ended up being this nonprofit. So, uh, Courtney, can you tell everybody where they can find you and where they can contact you? I know you're kind of everywhere on social media, so <laughs> yeah. and you post a lot, so you can definitely keep up to date with everything that he's doing. So you can find me personally. You can find me on Facebook, Courtney Johnson, Courtney Lee Johnson. I got two pages on Facebook, but then also you can follow me on Twitter, and that's Courtney LJ underscore, which is the same as Instagram. But then also our nonprofit. Young and Established, you can find us on Facebook and Young and Established on Instagram. And then also our website, which is youngandestablished.com. And a lot of our events and a lot of the things that we've done 
are on the website, but it, it's not hard to find me on social media or just find our organization. We're doing a lot of different things and we're always looking for young people and people in general that want to get involved and in, in basically get invested in the community and find ways to give back. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being on the podcast and thank you so much again for taking time out of your day while you're at your community center. Our community and I really appreciate it. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And throughout the episode, we really were talking about a lot of barriers that these kids face, right? So we have clean clothes as an example, just a safe area to be around positive people. It is access to food or even Wi-Fi during these times, especially with online school, being able to use a computer and be able to access your homework. And so those are huge things. And so Courtney is trying to address those barriers through his community center. And I've personally been a part of initiatives in the community that are doing the same, where when I was involved at the University of Evansville in the Public Health Student Association, there is a local school called Glenwood Academy. And one of the things that really weren't getting kids to school was clean clothes and that affected attendance. And so we were able to provide a washer and dryer there so kids and their families could wash their clothes. And I know that Courtney's address that they started Feed Evansville along with Alex Burton that's addressing the hunger issue with kids. And I know of also other initiatives in town with Masiha, which is a local free multi-specialty clinic. And they also have a mobile food pantry where they provide meals for families. And we also have the Tri-State Food Bank. We have the United Caring Shelter. We have so many initiatives within our community. And I hope to continue to see it grow. And we want to keep the momentum of the Black Lives Matter movement going. And so I'm going to provide some tangible things that you can do in order to support it. One thing that you could physically do is show solidarity and support at local protests and rallies. Make sure, though, when you do go, that you are social distancing and that you are wearing your masks. And if that's something you're very fearful of, I've seen online rallies organized as well. Other tangible things that you can do online if you prefer to stay within your home homes is sign petitions, donate money or resources if you have the funds, show solidarity and support even on social media by reposting and educating yourself. There's so many good accounts to follow that keep you up to date with news and other resources. I would really suggest color of change. Another thing that you can do is show support to small locally owned black businesses You could reach out to people that you know and just to make sure that they're doing okay. Another thing I would do is just make sure to educate yourself. There are so many books, movies, resources. I would suggest White Privilege by D'Angelo. I would also suggest a lot of movies such as The 13th, which is a documentary on Netflix. And you can also just stir up conversation within your family and friends and communities. And just to talk about this and to kind of look within deep yourself, to look at your racial prejudices and your microaggressions and to dive deep and see what you can do better.